Hello and welcome to 9 to 5 Fitness, a podcast about how to incorporate a healthy lifestyle into a 9 to 5 work week. Presented by Sunny Health and Fitness. And this episode is brought to you by the Sunny Health and Fitness number three exercise wheel. I'm your host, resident fitness expert Matt. And I'm Chris, your everyday nine to fiver. And today I believe we are discussing fitness myths. Ooh, fitness myths. Are you going to crack some myths for us? I'm going to crack a few. Ooh, fun times. Let's yeah. see what we got. Yeah, I found a few that are, well, definitely one that I know is going to be very popular and many people have probably thought, hey, if I do this, then uh, this will happen. But unfortunately, that might not be the case. You mean like sit-ups and losing your belly fat? (laughs) Let's just say it's uh, involving reducing the appearance of certain parts of your body. Without lipo. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to go there. (laughs) By means of exercise. Okay, For only specific uh, parts of your body. Gotcha. So, um, but yeah, we'll go over three today. Just picked out a few. Um, got some research behind them, so uh, we'll present that information for you, and uh, then maybe if we have some time to go over a few more, uh, we'll cover as many as we can in the time allotted. Okay. So let's go ahead and start with the first myth, or maybe it's not a myth. Let's Uh-oh. find out. Okay. What do we got? Have you heard of spot reduction? I have heard of spot reduction. When you hear of spot reduction, what do you think about? Uh, non-lipo sort of routine work that helps me lose this little belly pouch that's no longer <laughs> going to be on my mind because I'm trying to ignore it. Ah, so particular area, right? Yes, the inner thighs, outer thighs, belly, underarms, you know, the bat wings. So more than one spot. More than one spot, lots of target <laughs> spots. All right, well, this is going to kind of uh, approach all of those spots, not particularly oh. just one spot over the other. This is going to go for all spots. Okay. Um, so there's been some research done on is spot reduction possible? Can you, uh, train a certain area of your body and reduce the appearance of body fatness, which is primarily what jiggly spots, primarily what individuals are looking to do when they work out, right? Right. Tone and develop and decrease the appearance of fat in a particular area. So spot reduction is basically, let's say my legs i'm not happy with them i want them to be smaller i want them to be more lean so i'm gonna do squats and i'm just gonna do thousands of squats and that's all i'm gonna do and hopefully they'll get smaller and leaner and appear the way that i want them to appear so sound like spot reduction or you mentioned your midsection midsection core musculature Mm -hmm. so doing core work sit-ups planks hundreds maybe thousands a week a month oh don't remind me i had those hoping to reduce (laughs) That specific area uh, in terms of its appearance, making it lean and uh, less body fat in that area. So spot reduction. If you're not familiar with it, basically just training one spot on your body, hoping that that particular area will change. So true or false? Ooh. Well, let's present some research first, and then we'll decide whether or not it's true or false. So uh, research from the Journal of Strength, Journal of Strength and Conditioning. Um, recently did a study on spot reduction. They called it uh, regional fat changes induced by localized muscular endurance resistance training. Um, So basically, they wanted to make sure that they were performing the study uh, 
as large a scale as they could. So what does that mean? It means when most of us think of spot reduction, uh, we might say, okay, we're just going to do some sit-ups. We're going to do some core work and try to work on our midsection. Yeah, well, flat abs in three days. Yeah, so they, they <laughs> took it a step further, and they're like, okay, well, let's, let's actually test the body and kind of take it to its limit. And really just focus in and be like, all right, is this, is this even what's actually going on when you work out a specific part of your body? Okay. Uh, does it actually change, you know, internally? Uh, does your, your, your body fat uh, get, get burned more if you train a specific area and only that area? Um, so what they did is they asked some uh, men and women uh, to engage in a 12-week-long uh, workout program. Uh, this workout program is very specific uh, because they wanted to specifically look at how uh, one limb or one leg would change if that was the only thing that was trained. So they basically did a leg press exercise uh, on one leg. So and it's like only the one leg. where you're laying on, ooh, I apologize, the one where you're laying on your back and you're using your legs to push upwards like that? Correct. Oh, yes. okay. I've done yeah. that. I like that one. Yeah, actually. traditional leg but press. one leg. Yeah, very common. One leg. So oh, they're going dear. to measure and actually look at the body fatness in that leg, the training leg, uh, but they're also going to compare it to the non-training leg. So what's going on on the opposite side as well. And they also tested for whole body fatness as well. So decreasing body fat uh, in the whole body. So they looked at a bunch of different areas, but they're only training and trying to see what would happen in the one leg that was trained, just that leg. All I can think of right now is how weird that must look as an artist, I'll, I just keep picturing one person with a super buff leg <laughs> walking so around. It should, be, it should be noted that the way that they did this, it wasn't like they were training, you know, really heavy weight. No, no, no. I assumed you know, as much. Every day. They, <laughs> it just doesn't stop my brain from going there. You're like, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like Popeye, but with one leg. <laughs> yeah, so that wasn't the, the type of training wasn't to let's see how big we can grow this one leg. It was how can we decrease body fat uh, in that part of the body. So... Um, it was an endurance training program. They were 80-minute sessions, and they only trained one leg. The exercise sessions lasted 80 minutes. They performed continuous repetitions okay. for 80 minutes. Yipes. That's a lot of work. That sounds Now, this wasn't heavyweight. It wasn't heavyweight. But, again, they wanted to take it to the extreme level, right? People that try to spot reduce, they might do... You know, arm curls, they might do core work, but they're not doing it for 80 minutes on one particular part of the body, right? They're doing it for, you know, three, two to three sets, 10 to 15 repetitions, and maybe they'll do two more exercises, maybe that last 15, okay. 20 minutes. Well, they took it to 80 minutes, and it was continuous, no rest. Okay. Lightweight, high volume, thousands of repetitions over 12-week period. Uh, so what they found is that just training that one leg caused body fatness, total body fatness, so their whole body, just their whole body composition, uh, the amount of fat mass that they had to go down. The entire body Which is great, right? Interesting. So entire body fatness. But the differences between the trained leg and the opposite leg were the same. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So basically what they found was you can do a whole bunch of training on one part of your body, and that's not necessarily going to mean that that part of your body is going to reduce more than everything else. Oh, that is really interesting. So it should be noted that they also took into consideration their diet. So they were controlling their intake in terms of calories. And it was they didn't, weren't on a drastic you know, reduction of calorie diet. 
Um, it was just a normal diet. They were consuming, you know, an average amount of calories for the for their uh, in, for the individuals that they trained. Um, so they weren't on some special diet. This was just, hey, let's just focus on training one part of the body a lot okay. at a high frequency and see what happens to body fatness over Science time. Science at its best. Oh, yeah. I love that stuff. So there had been other studies done, but they weren't done, I guess, at the extent that this one uh, these researchers were happy with. Um, so they basically took it to the next level and said, all right, what's the maximum amount you know somebody can train at in one specific area, and let's see what happens. So basically, spot reduction myth spot reduction is unfortunately a myth now i should also state that spot reduction although it is a myth you can actually do the opposite and if we call it spot grow that's kind of weird but (laughs) spot grow you can can stimulate the growth of a particular part of your body through resistance training but obviously that's different than reducing right growing gaining muscle Um, in a particular area of the body, you can elicit a response. You know, let's say you just do bicep curls, right? Your, bicep, your muscles will grow, okay. just your biceps will grow. Not, you know, your legs aren't going to grow yeah. from doing bicep curls. <laughs> that, that would but, be uh, weird. if you do try to spot reduce, the response that your body's going to take is, okay, I need energy to perform this specific activity. I'm not necessarily going to pull fat from that area. I'm going to utilize it wherever it's best available. So, which just means in general, your whole body. It's the energy storage, basically. Yeah. So, your body okay. your body doesn't particularly take fat from one area of the body um, to fuel that movement. It takes it from anywhere that it's available. Okay. So, um, what's the next myth? All right. Next one. Let's go into... How about this? You can let me know if you've heard about this one before. But um, when you work out or when you choose to work out, do you usually feel like you need to eat something prior or not eat something prior particularly in the morning well do you need should you eat shouldn't you eat i don't yes in my opinion i don't really think it matters all i know is that if you're not eating before a workout in my in this is my opinion i'm not sure if this is the fact or not um but uh if you were to not eat before a workout then go work out once you're done you're going to be like ravenous really hungry so you can tend to overdo but that just comes from me dieting a lot, so I know that whenever I skip a meal, all I want to do is eat. And like right now, right now, all I can think about is going down the street and getting a hamburger. <laughs> that sounds like a pleasurable experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's a good hamburger. So, yeah, it, it's, it's common, you know, people wake up in the morning, they might feel like, oh, I need to, you know, get a little fuel in my system before I exercise. Well, um, some researchers... Uh, who were at the Northumbria University. Um, Yes, that is a British city or university. Um, Mm -hmm. They posted a research in the British Journal of Nutrition um, going over, you know, whether or not it's important to eat prior to exercise, more specifically in the morning. Um, So what they did was they asked two groups of individuals to either eat before they worked out in the morning. Uh, They set their workout times at 10 a.m., and they also had individuals who didn't eat in the morning hmm. uh, working out at 10 a.m. So two sets of people. Uh, what they found was that all the individuals were able to exercise and complete the workouts. Um, as you stated, you know the individuals were not overly hungry afterwards. Like their appetites didn't fluctuate that much. Okay. Um, and the individuals that did not eat prior to exercise ended up burning about 20% more fat. 
no than kidding. the individuals that did eat prior to exercise. Do you think it has something to do with um, the body converting uh, the energy as you're working out? I know I'm probably not phrasing this correctly, but y- you kind of get where you get where I'm going. Yeah, I think I, I think I get what you mean. Um, so what happens is when you wake up, obviously you're not eating in the middle of the night yeah, as you sleep. That's why they call it breakfast. Exactly. Breakfast. So there, your body is in a fasted <laughs> state. So what happens when you wake up and you decide to work out and not eat? Um, you know, you haven't consumed any energy, uh, so your body's going to pull the energy that it needs from fat stores. Okay. Because right? your blood sugar is low. And so it's not going to pull it directly from what you just, you know, Yeah, what ingested. you just ate, what, from your eggs, from your oatmeal, whatever, is it, whatever it is that you consume that's going to go directly into the fat stores rather than utilizing what you ate first. So you kind of stimulate fat loss a little bit faster if you can get to your workout before you get hungry. Interesting. When you wake up and you can possibly burn about 20% more fat if you don't eat in the morning. Obviously, there's some other things to consider, you know, if you're going to perform, you know, a high-intensity workout. It might be good just for performance-wise to have a little bit of energy consumed. Um, but if you're just doing your general cardiovascular work, general strength training, um, and you do skip your breakfast in the morning, um, you can enjoy a little bit higher fat loss rate. Okay. Well, there's also one thing I just want to remind people listening to this is that this isn't just for, you know, one meal. Uh, this – and you shouldn't skip more than one meal anyway because I remember this one gal uh, back when I was in high school. I know, weird, right? Thinking about high school all the way, all those many years ago. Well, I was about 14. She was about 16. And we were both, surprisingly, on the cheerleading squad. And she fell off of her cheer box. And we were like, oh, dear, what happened? Did she just faint? What's up with this? It turns out she actually didn't eat all day. And we were in the middle of a game. And the girl just tipped over and passed out from hunger (laughs) and first off this girl was itty bitty she should not be dieting at all but all i could think of was how long did she go without eating yeah that's great advice so yeah all things considered yes you want to make sure that you know you're obviously not in a starving state it's just yeah that was yeah you know if you normally have a regular consistent diet that means your body's probably able to handle normal physical activity and exercise obviously if you're going to be participating in activities that are higher in intensity or you have to perform Play it for, safe. Yeah, if you have to perform for an event, you know, your goal is not to, oh, let's see how much fat I can burn yeah, during okay, this so competition or this no, event. Uh, like, you want no to make, starvation. Yeah, you want to make sure you're eating for, you know, those kinds of activities. But if it's just, oh, let me get up in the morning, do my 30 minutes of my elliptical or my bike or my treadmill, um, you know, at moderate to light intensities, you know, you can perform that in a... Uh, a fasted state in the morning, um, and then it's also possible to not feel like you're going to be starving after that. Okay. Uh, that's not a well, normal. That's good then. Yeah, that's it's not good a to normal know. response. Okay. Um, so cool. Then... So working out on an empty stomach, great. Awesome. You can definitely go for that. Um, last one that I have on my list of three for today is about stretching. Ooh. Yeah. So should you do it? Should you not do it prior to exercise? I've prior to activity? What, did, what have you been... heard? under the impression that yes you need to stretch before workout and after and the myth that i heard whether it's myth or fact from my very very many trainers is that if i do not well if i stretch before workout i can optimize my uh i could, i don't know is it performance weight loss 
And uh, so they, they basically were like, yeah, you need to do the thing before you do the thing. So <laughs> what do you think? So what, here's, what I think it? the misconception for stretching is that a lot of people relate to, you know, stretching before they work out or before they do their activity. Uh, that is part of their warm up. All right. So it's very important, critical that you warm up your body before you begin activity, increasing blood flow and just a general, um, you know, increasing your temperature so that your body's ready to and able to respond to the activities. Uh, when we talk about stretching in terms of whether or not it's good or bad before activity, uh, what we really want to mention is static stretching. So bending down, trying to touch your toes, holding it for 30 seconds before you do anything. Uh, the problem with that is that you're stretching a cold muscle, um, you're increasing its elasticity, and it's just going to be a little bit too stretched out to be able to handle the amount of force that you're going to be doing in your exercise program. So potentially... You could lose some stability. Uh, you could lose some muscular strength, uh, some ability to increase force during your exercise. If you do static stretching, which is just you know hold your muscle, stretch your muscle for thirty seconds um, prior to activity. If okay. that's the only thing that you do before you start your activity. So like just bend over, touch toes, then run. Not a good idea. Correct. So okay. we don't want to hold those static stretches prior to activity. Um, now the only exception to this is. If you do have a specific limitation, let's say you have a tight hamstring on one side and you're going to go out for a run and you have specific stretches that you know will increase uh, the flexibility of that hamstring so that it can respond appropriately during your workout, uh, then after a general warm-up, it would be okay to stretch just that particular area. But in terms of general static stretching you know, prior to doing your workouts and activity, uh, sometimes that can cause a little bit too much instability. And it has been shown to also decrease your force production and strength during strength training activities, if static stretching is the only thing that you do before you start to exercise. So, should you stretch before you work out? It kind of depends. Static stretching, I would say stay away unless somebody's told you specifically what your needs are. Um, but in terms of stretching in general, uh, there are dynamic stretches, there are active stretches that are more of warm-up movements. Uh, not traditional static stretching, which is what most people think of when they when they think of stretching. When they think of stretching. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that and makes I wouldn't a lot necessarily do that before you start your exercise or workout. Okay, so probably not a good idea to static stretch before working out. So what about after? It's probably better. To yeah, after then, right? after is great, right? So you know you've worked out your muscles hard. They're tense. They're tight. You want to get them back into their normal range of motion. Stretch them out. Uh, so that they can recover appropriately. So static stretching after, definitely, definitely recommend Much it. Much better. Okay. Um, for, for everybody. So that makes more sense. Uh, this is what happens when you get conflicting information from different people. And then the fact that science is always changing and studies are always improving. So we can know things that we yeah, didn't yeah. know yeah. Ah, 10 so years ago, maybe. Yeah. So that's the goal, right? Try to provide you with uh, up-to-date information so that you can safely uh, continue and hopefully improve your exercise regime. Um, those are the three myths that I've decided to go over. So just to recap, um, spot reduction, unfortunately, Myth. can't do it. Um, do you have to eat before you work out in the morning? Not necessarily. Okay. Depends so. on the intensity. But if you do want to, if your goal is fat loss um, and you do perform your exercise in the morning and you do it on a fasted state, you can improve your opportunity to burn more fat. Awesome. Uh, that's been proven. Uh, and then stretching prior to activity, make sure that you're not performing static stretching. Again, holding stretches for 30 seconds 
prior to beginning your workout. Awesome. If that's the only thing you do. You don't you don't want to do that. Try to avoid that unless you have a specific issue that a health a health professional, a fitness professional has told you, "Hey, make sure that you treat this particular area because either it's tent tense or tight and you want to make sure that you're getting its full functionality prevent an injury yeah uh but after exercise of course you know stretch that's that's really good okay um so those are the top three we got a few more minutes left and uh christina i've asked you if uh, you have any other myths that you've heard of maybe we can go through a few and see if i can bust them on the spot Okay, well, there's actually one that I've been hearing a lot lately, and I've been getting this from my mother-in-law, and then, of course, it's all over the internet right now. And it has been for maybe Uh about, gosh, a couple years maybe? Apple cider vinegar and lemon water. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. I think I know where this one's going. If you drink one glass of lemon water before breakfast or a shot glass of apple cider vinegar before bed, you will lose weight. (laughs) <laughs> especially in your belly. So there's a lot <laughs> of information revolving this topic. And uh, actually, I was doing some research on the whole calories in, calories out debate and whether or not cal- calorie counting is necessary. Um, we're probably going to do a specific podcast oh, good, on good, that good. as well. But for this particular but for one. this particular topic, uh, I'm going to say that that is a big myth. Oh. <laughs> um, because there's enough research, and just to kind of give you a heads up, there's enough research on the whole calories in, calories out to show that caloric restriction and controlling your uh, amount of energy that you consume um, or expend is a huge factor when it comes to weight loss. Yes, there's other factors, um, but the big one is how much are you eating and how much are you burning. Okay, but that's so, not to say that there's potentially other effects that haven't been really studied that we don't know yet. Yeah, so, there's other factors but, that come into play, but the big one the big one that everybody should still be leery about is, okay, how much am I eating and how much am I That burning? makes more sense. Yeah, because, I mean, it's apple cider vinegar and what, and what did you a say? Lemon water. Well, I actually like lemon water because it just tastes good. Oh, yeah. Something I'm, different. I'm, I've had apple yeah. cider vinegar and lemon but water. But just the idea great. of taking a shot glass of apple cider vinegar just Oh. It's a wonderful experience. No. I definitely recommend it. <laughs> oh, you are evil. <laughs> so the, health, the health benefits of apple cider vinegar and lemon, while there may be some, in, it's term, not in terms gonna... of reducing the amount of belly fat on your body, yeah, that's a big myth. Okay, good. Well, I think that's pretty much the only one I could think of off the top of my head. And it's mostly because I literally just saw, what, the 36th pin saying this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, being on Pinterest all day, it... There is a lot of terrible, terrible advice on Pinterest. Yeah, I'm going to say, and you know, just because you mentioned all over the internet in terms of apple cider vinegar and and lemon juice, just a little word of advice, um, you know, because we are providing you information and we are looking at uh, topics that are research backed. So if you are on the internet, if you are looking for information out there that either we haven't covered yet um, or it's just something you're curious about, yeah, by all means, go find that information. It's on the internet. But Make sure that you're checking where that information is coming from, um, because if it's not valid, if it's not coming from a reputable or- organization that has been studying um, the topic, then how do you know what to believe? It's just that makes sense. Somebody... So yeah, you, you got to do something that's maybe university based, as opposed to yo, Steve did something in his backyard. Yeah, so just, just be careful. You know, <laughs> okay. if, uh, you know, a good good um, rule to follow by is, if, especially when it comes to health and fitness information. If it sounds too good to be true. It is. Okay. So 
that's at least the rule that I follow when it comes to health and fitness because I spent a long time talking to individuals, you know, that are talking about a whole bunch of different things on whether or not, you know, this food or this training system is like the new gold standard when it comes to helping individuals get the body that they want. So Fun uh, times. more people that I've worked with have just had greater results going through normal exercise programs, you know, watching their diet rather than somebody saying, hey, I just drank, you know, apple cider vinegar and lemon water for a month and look what happened to me. Um, I've had many more individuals have success with just good, solid exercise programming and consistency. You know, as long as I don't have to go back to taking a teaspoon or a tablespoon of cod liver oil in the morning, I'll be happy. Mm, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should do the wrap-up now. <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead. We'll Before we up. get into some weirder conversations. <laughs> All right, guys. This episode is sponsored by Sunny Health and Fitness' number three exercise wheel, a great tool to help you increase muscular strength and endurance in your upper body and core. We want to thank you for joining us here at 9to5 Fitness, and we hope you enjoyed the show and learned something useful to help you on your journey to a healthy lifestyle. If you want to learn more about this topic and other useful tips, you can visit our show notes or you can come visit us at sunnyhealthandfitness.com. You can follow Sunny Health and Fitness at, on Twitter, on Pinterest, on Facebook, pretty much on social media places. Instagram, too. It's quite fun. Um, and if you guys are listening to this podcast on Apple, iTunes, please leave us a review. Rate us five stars. It really helps the show out. And if you're not listening there, please go over to Apple and iTunes and <laughs> rate and review if you can. Um, and, uh, yeah. That seems to be about it. So come back next time when we talk about... Well, we're going to have our first guest, hopefully. So stay tuned. Oh, surprise. Mystery show. (laughs) 